Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tonight, I will be reading... From the Green Fairy Book, Fairy Tales Collected by Andrew Lang. The Story of the Three Bears and the Story of the Fisherman and His Wife. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. The Story of the Three Bears. Once upon a time, there were three bears who lived together in a house of their own in a wood. 
One of them was a little, small, wee bear, and one was a middle-sized bear, and the other was a great, huge bear. They had each a pot for their porridge, a little pot for the little, small, wee bear, and a middle-sized pot for the middle bear, and a great pot for the great, huge bear. And they had each a chair to sit in, a little chair for the little, small, wee bear, and a middle-sized chair for the middle bear, and a great chair for the great, huge bear. And they had each a bed to sleep in, a little bed for the little, small, wee bear, and a middle-sized bed for the middle bear, and a great bed for the great, huge bear. One day, after they had made the porridge for their breakfast, and poured it into their porridge pots. They walked out into the wood while the porridge was cooling, that they might not burn their mouths by beginning to soon to eat it. And while they were walking, a little old woman came to the house. She could not have been a good, honest old woman, for first she looked in at the window, and then she peeped in at the keyhole, and seeing nobody in the house, she lifted the latch. The door was not fastened, because the bears were good bears, who did nobody any harm, and never suspected that anyone would harm them. So the little old woman opened the door and went in, and well pleased she was when she saw the porridge on the table. If she had been a good little old woman, she would have waited till the bears came home, and then perhaps they would have asked her to breakfast, for they were good bears, a little rough or so, as the manner of bears is, but for all that, very good-natured and hospitable. But she was an impudent, bad old woman, and set about helping herself. So first she tasted the porridge of the great huge bear, and that was too hot for her, and she said a bad word about that. And then she tasted the porridge of the middle bear, and that was too cold for her. And she said a bad word about that too. And then she went to the porridge of the little, small, wee bear and tasted that. And that was neither too hot nor too cold, but just right. And she liked it so well that she ate it all up. But the naughty old woman said a bad word about the little porridge pot, because it did not hold enough for her. Then the little old woman sat down in the chair, the great huge bear, and that was too hard for her. And then she sat down in the chair of the middle bear, and that was too soft for her. And then she sat down in the chair of the little small wee bear, and that was neither too hard nor too soft, but just right. So she seated herself in it, and there she sat till the bottom of the chair came out, and down came she, plump upon the ground. And the naughty old woman said a wicked word about that too. Then the little old woman went upstairs into the bedchamber in which the three bears slept. At first she lay down upon the bed of the great huge bear, but that was too high at the head for her. And next she lay down upon the bed of the middle bear, and that was too high at the foot for her. And then she lay down upon the bed 
of the little small wee bear, and that was neither too high at the head nor at the foot, but just right. So she covered herself up comfortably, and there she lay till she fell fast asleep. By this time, the three bears thought their porridge would be cool enough, so they came home to breakfast. Now the little old woman had left the spoon of the great huge bear standing in his porridge. Somebody has been at my porridge, said the great huge bear in his great gruff voice. And when the middle bear looked at his, he saw that the spoon was standing in it too. They were wooden spoons. If they had been silver ones, the naughty old woman would have put them in her pocket. Somebody has been at my porridge, said the middle bear in his middle voice. Then the little small wee bear looked at his, and there was the spoon in the porridge pot, but the porridge was all gone. Somebody has been at my porridge and has eaten it all up, said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. Upon this, the three bears, seeing that someone had entered their house and eaten up the little small wee bear's breakfast, began to look about them. Now the little old woman, had not put the hard cushion straight when she rose from the chair of the great huge bear. Somebody has been sitting in my chair, said the great huge bear in his great gruff voice. And the little old woman had squatted down the soft cushion of the middle bear. Somebody has been sitting in my chair, said the middle bear in his middle voice. And you know what the little old woman had done to the third chair. Somebody has been sitting in my chair, and has sat the bottom of it out, said the little small wee bear, in his little small wee voice. Then the three bears thought it necessary that they should make further search, so they went upstairs into their bedchamber. Now the little old woman had pulled the pillow of the great huge bear out of its place. Somebody has been lying in my bed, said the great huge bear, in his great rough, gruff voice. And the little old woman had pulled the bolster of the middle bear out of its place. Somebody has been lying in my bed, said the middle bear in his middle voice. And when the little small wee bear came to look at his bed, there was the bolster in its place and the pillow in its place upon the bolster. And upon the pillow was the little old woman's ugly head, which was not in its place, for she had no business there. Somebody has been lying in my bed, and here she is, said the little small wee bear in his little small wee voice. The little old woman had heard in her sleep the great, rough, gruff voice of the great huge bear. She was so fast asleep that it was no more to her than the roaring of wind or the rumbling of thunder. And she had heard the middle voice of the middle bear, but it was only as if she had heard someone speaking in a dream. When she heard the little, small, wee voice of the little, small, wee bear, it was so sharp and so shrill that it had awakened her at once. Up she started, and when she saw the three bears on one side of the bed, she tumbled herself out of the other and ran to the window. Now the window was open, because the bears, like good, tidy bears as they were, always opened their bedchamber window when they got up in the morning. Out the little old woman jumped, 
and whether she broke her neck in the fall, or ran into the wood and was lost there, or found her way out of the wood and was taken up by the constable and sent to the house of correction, for vagrant as she was, I cannot tell. But the three bears never saw anything more of her. The Story of the Fisherman and His Wife There was once a fisherman and his wife who lived together in a little hut close to the sea. And the fisherman used to go down every day to fish, and he would fish and fish. So he used to sit with his rod and gaze into the shining water, and he would gaze and gaze. Now once the line was pulled deep under the water, and when he hauled it up, he hauled a large flounder with it. The flounder said to him, Listen, fisherman, I pray you to let me go. I am not a real flounder. I am an enchanted prince. What good will it do if you kill me? I shall not taste nice. Put me back into the water and let me swim away. Well, said the man, you need not make so much noise about it. I am sure I had better let a flounder that can talk swim away. With these words, he put him back again into the shining water, and the flounder sank to the bottom, leaving a long streak of blood behind. Then the fisherman got up and went home to his wife in the hut. Husband, said his wife, have you caught nothing today? No, said the man. I caught a flounder who said he was an enchanted prince, so I let him swim away again. Did you wish nothing from him? said his wife. No, said the man. What should I have wished from him? Ah, said the woman. It's dreadful to have to live all one's life in this hut that is so small and dirty. You ought to have wished for a cottage. Go now and call him. Say to him that we choose to have a cottage, and he will certainly give it to you. Alas, said the man. Why should I go down there again? Why, said his wife, you caught him and then let him go again, so he is sure to give you what you ask. Go down quickly. The man did not like going at all, but as his wife was not to be persuaded, he went down to the sea. When he came there, the sea was quite green and yellow, and was no longer shining. So he stood on the shore and said, Once a prince, but changed you be into a flounder in the sea. Come, for my wife Isabel wishes what I dare not tell. Then the flounder came swimming up and said, Well, what does she want? Alas, said the man, my wife says I ought to have kept you and wished something from you. She does not want to live any longer in the hut. She would like a cottage. Go home then, said the flounder. She has it. So the man went home, and there was his wife no longer in the hut but in its place was a beautiful cottage, and his wife was sitting in front of the door on a bench. She took him by the hand and said to him, Come inside and see if this is not much better. They went in, and inside the cottage was a tiny hall and a beautiful sitting room and a bedroom in which stood a bed, a kitchen, and a dining room, all furnished with the best of everything and fitted up with every kind of tin and copper utensil. 
and outside was a little yard in which were chickens and ducks, and also a little garden with vegetables and fruit trees. See, said the wife, isn't this nice? Yes, answered her husband. Here we shall remain and live very happily. We will think about that, said his wife. With these words, they had their supper and went to bed. All went well for a week or a fortnight. Then the wife said, Listen, husband, the cottage is much too small, and so is the yard and the garden. The flounder might just as well have sent us a larger house. I should like to live in a great stone castle. Go down to the flounder and tell him to send us a castle. Ah, wife, said the fisherman, the cottage is quite good enough. Why do we choose to live in a castle? Why, said the wife, you go down. The flounder can quite well do that. No, wife, said the man, the flounder gave us a cottage. I do not like to go to him again. He might take it amiss. Go, said his wife, he can certainly give it to us, and ought to do so willingly. Go at once. The fisherman's heart was very heavy, and did not like going. He said to himself, it is not right. Still, he went down. When he came to the sea, the water was all violet and dark blue, and dull and thick, and no longer green and yellow, but it was still smooth. So he stood there and said, Once a prince, but changed you be into a flounder in the sea. Come, for my wife Isabel wishes what I dare not tell. What does she want now? said the flounder. Ah, said the fisherman, half ashamed. She wants to live in a great stone castle. Go home. She's standing before the door, said the flounder. The fisherman went home and thought he would find no house. When he came near, there stood a great stone palace, and his wife was standing on the steps, about to enter. She took him by the hand and said, Come inside. Then he went with her, and inside the castle was a large hall with a marble floor, and there were heaps of servants who threw open the great doors, and the walls were covered with beautiful tapestry, and in the apartments were gilded chairs and tables, and crystal chandeliers hung from the ceiling, and all the rooms were beautifully carpeted. The best of food and drink also was set before them when they wished to dine. And outside the house was a large courtyard with horse and cow stables and a coach house, all fine buildings, and a splendid garden with the most beautiful flowers and fruit. And in a park quite a league long were deer and roe and hares, and everything one could wish for. Now, said the wife, isn't this beautiful? Yes, indeed, said the fisherman. Now we shall stay here and live in this beautiful castle and be very happy. We will consider the matter, said his wife, and they went to bed. The next morning the wife woke up first at daybreak and looked out of the bed at the beautiful country stretched before her. Her husband was still sleeping, so she dug her elbows into his side and said, Husband, get up and look out of the window. Could we not become the king of all this land? Go down to the flounder and tell him we choose to be king. Ah, wife, replied the husband. Why should we be king? I don't want to be king. Well, said his wife, if you don't want to be king, I will be king. Go down to the flounder. 
I will be king. Alas, wife, said the fisherman, why do you want to be king? I can't ask him that. And why not, said his wife. Go down at once. I must be king. So the fisherman went, though much vexed that his wife wanted to be king. It is not right, it is not right, he thought. He did not wish to go, yet he went. When he came to the sea, the water was a dark grey colour, and it was heaving against the shore. So he stood and said, Once a prince, but changed you be into a flounder in the sea. Come, for my wife Isabel wishes what I dare not tell. What does she want now? asked the flounder. Alas, said the fisherman, she wants to be king. Go home. She is that already, said the flounder. The fisherman went home, and when he came near the palace, he saw that it had become much larger, and that it had great towers and splendid ornamental carving on it. A sentinel was standing before the gate, and there were numbers of soldiers with kettle drums and trumpets. And when he went into the palace, he found everything was of pure marble and gold, and the curtains of damask with tassels of gold. Then the doors of the hall flew open, and there stood the whole court round his wife, who was sitting on a high throne of gold and diamonds. She wore a great golden crown, and had a scepter of gold and precious stones in her hand. And by her on either side stood six pages in a row, each one a head taller than the other. Then he went before her and said, Ah, wife, are you king now? Yes, said his wife, now I am king. He stood looking at her, and when he had looked for some time, he said, Let that be enough, wife, now that you are king. Now we have nothing more to wish for. Nay, husband, said his wife restlessly, my wishing powers are boundless. I cannot restrain them any longer. Go down to the flounder. King I am, now I must be emperor. Alas, wife, said the fisherman, why do you want to be emperor? Husband, said she, go to the flounder, I will be emperor. Ah, wife, he said, he cannot make you emperor. I don't like to ask him that. There is only one emperor in the kingdom. And indeed, he cannot make you emperor. What? said his wife. I am king, and you are my husband. Will you go at once? Go. If he can make king, he can make emperor. An emperor I must and will be. Go. So he had to go. But as he went, he felt quite frightened, and he thought to himself, This can't be right. To be emperor is too ambitious. The flounder will be tired out at last. Thinking this, he came to the shore. The sea was quite black and thick, and it was breaking high on the beach. The foam was flying about, and the wind was blowing. Everything looked bleak. The fisherman was chilled with fear. He stood and said, Once a prince, but changed you be into a flounder in the sea. Come, for my wife Isabel wishes what I dare not tell. What does she want now? asked the flounder. Alas, flounder, he said, my wife wants to be emperor. Go home, said the flounder. She is that already. So the fisherman went home, and when he came there he saw the whole castle was made out of polished marble, ornamented with alabaster statues and gold. 
Before the gate, soldiers were marching, blowing trumpets and beating drums. Inside the palace were walking barons, counts and dukes, acting as servants. They opened the door, which was of beaten gold. And when he entered, he saw his wife upon a throne which was made out of a single block of gold, and which was quite six cubits high. She had on a great golden crown, which was three yards high, and set with brilliance and sparkling gems. In one hand she held a scepter, and in the other the imperial globe. And on either side of her stood two rows of halberdiers, each smaller than the other. From a seven-foot giant to the tiniest little man, no higher than my little finger. Many princes and dukes were standing before her. The fisherman went up to her quietly and said, Wife, are you emperor now? Yes, she said, I am emperor. He stood looking at her magnificence, and when he had watched her for some time, said, Ah, wife, let that be enough, now that you are emperor. Husband, said she, why are you standing there? I am emperor now, and I want to be pope too. Go down to the flounder. Alas, wife, said the fisherman, what more do you want? You cannot be pope. There is only one pope in Christendom, and he cannot make you that. Husband, she said, I will be pope. Go down quickly. I must be pope today. No, wife, said the fisherman, I cannot ask him that. It is not right. It is too much. The flounder cannot make you pope. Husband, what nonsense, said his wife. If he can make emperor, he can make pope too. Go down this instant. I am emperor, and you are my husband. Will you be off at once? So he was frightened and went out, but he felt quite faint and trembled and shook, and his knees and legs began to give way under him. The wind was blowing fiercely across the land, and the clouds flying across the sky looked as gloomy as if it were night. The leaves were being blown from the trees. The water was foaming and seething and dashing upon the shore. And in the distance he saw the ships in great distress, dancing and tossing on the waves. Still the sky was very blue in the middle, although at the sides there was an angry red as in a great storm. So he stood shuddering in anxiety and said, Once a prince, what change do you be into a flounder in the sea? Come, for my wife Isabel wishes what I dare not tell. But what does she want now? asked the flounder. Alas, said the fisherman, she wants to be pope. Go home then, she's that already, said the flounder. Then he went home, and when he came there he saw, as it were, a large church surrounded by palaces. He pushed his way through the people. The interior was lit up with thousands and thousands of candles, and his wife was dressed in cloth of gold and was sitting on a much higher throne, and she wore three great golden crowns. Round her were numbers of church dignitaries, and on either side were standing two rows of tapers, the largest of them as tall as a steeple, and the smallest as tiny as a Christmas tree candle. All the emperors and kings were on their knees before her, and were kissing her foot. Wife, said the fisherman, looking at her, are you Pope now? Yes, she said, I am Pope. So he stood staring at her, and it was as if he were looking at the bright sun. When he had watched her for some time, he said, 
Ah, wife, let it be enough that you are Pope. But she sat as straight as a tree and did not move or bend the least bit. He said again, Wife, be content now that you are Pope. You cannot become anything more. We will think about that, said his wife. With these words they went to bed. But the woman was not content. Her greed would not allow her to sleep. And she kept on thinking and thinking what she could still become. The fisherman slept well and soundly, for he had done a great deal that day. But his wife could not sleep at all, and turned from one side to another the whole night long and thought, till she could think no longer, what more she could become. Then the sun began to rise, and when she saw the red dawn, she went to the end of the bed and looked at it. And as she was watching the sun rise out of the window, she thought, Ha! Could I not make the sun rise? Husband, said she, poking him in the ribs with her elbows, wake up. Go down to the flounder. I will be a god. The fisherman was still half asleep, yet he was so frightened that he fell out of bed. He thought he had not heard right, and opened his eyes wide and said, What did you say, wife? Husband, she said, If I cannot make the sun rise when I appear, I cannot rest. I shall never have a quiet moment till I can make the sun rise. He looked at her in horror, and a shudder ran over him. Go down at once. I will be a god. Alas, wife, said the fisherman, falling on his knees before her. The flounder cannot do that. Emperor and pope he can make you. I implore you, be content and remain pope. Then she flew into a wild passion. Her hair hung about her face. She pushed him with her foot and screamed, I am not contented, and I shall not be contented. Will you go? So he hurried on his clothes as fast as possible and ran away as if he were mad. But the storm was raging so fiercely that he could scarcely stand. Houses and trees were being blown down, the mountains were being shaken, and pieces of rock were rolling in the sea. The sky was as black as ink, it was thundering and lightning, and the sea was tossing in great waves as high as church towers and mountains, and each had a white crest of foam. So he shouted, not able to hear his own voice, Once a prince, what changed you be into a flounder in the sea? Come, for my wife Isabel wishes what I dare not tell. What does she want now? asked the flounder. Alas, said he, she wants to be a god. Go home then. She is sitting again in the hut. And there they are sitting to this day. Good night. <laughs>